0: My name is Kareem Kanji. Thanks for joining me today. My guest is a lover of digital and coffee, an asker of good questions, sleuth of business problems, identifier of emerging trends, consumer insights, impacts of digital upon consumer behaviors. Lori Dillon-Schalk is my guest in the welcome studio. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. So, lover of coffee. Now, <laughs> by the way, do you like this place? I love this place. Yeah? I do. Nice. Cool. Thank you.
1: I, this is amazing. Yeah. Everyone should come down here.
0: Yeah, I've grown up now. <laughs> um, okay, so I need you, like, on the mic there. I'm on the there. mic. There, perfect. Awesome. Now, w- I had this YouTube video yes. interview show, and I started off with a, a lover of coffee, and No,
1: you started off with Lori Dylan is, is, is a lover. lover of coffee. A,
0: of coffee. And I to my recollection I sort of made up that line. But then when I went onto your website, uh, your socialwisdom.ca, yeah, to the the about page, you start off with A lover. A lover. <laughs> of coffee. So I'm like, wait a second here.
1: <laughs> no, but it was the way you said it on our very first podcast together. Okay.
0: Introducing me as, as a, a lover. lover. <laughs> Of coffee. There wasn't that long of a pause. <laughs> it,
1: was, it was enough to make me spit my coffee yeah. out.
0: But we met because of coffee, or through coffee, right? That's right. Yeah. So like I was so I had a, uh, a social media agency uh, back in 2010 is when I started it, um, and started off working, my business partner and I, working out of a Starbucks at Young and Eglinton, I think, is, is one of the Starbucks. Young and Bloor. Young and, Young and Bloor was one of them, but this one was Young and Eglinton. Okay. Um and Starbucks was giving us free stuff. They felt really bad about us being there and, right. and working there. Um and so at the end of the close to the end of the day, they started giving us free stuff. And I was tweeting it. I was so excited. And and then you responded. And I don't know if it was through your, your personal handle or if you had like a coffee. No, it was personal hand- handle. Was it through your personal yep. handle? Um and so we met digitally or on Twitter. Yep. And then it was only after we got our first "quote unquote" big client, we moved from Starbucks to Young and Bloor right? Um, at a client's office, and you walked in, and again, we didn't see, had never seen each other. We were introduced, and then it was only after talking to you for like a minute, I go, "Wait a second, that's right, you're the coffee lady." Do you remember? Twenty ten was
1: when we knew everybody by their Twitter handle. That's so true. Less so now, but yeah. you know, in the beginning.
0: Yeah, it it was... It was our handle. And there was a joke saying you don't ask for people's phone numbers anymore, you just ask for the Twitter handles. That's right. But I don't know what it is now. Is it Instagram handles, Uh, you know, or or some other social networks or or dating websites? Our multiple selves. Yes, that is so true. Maybe we'll get into that. We will. I learned something about you as I was prepping for the show. Um, You have your MBA I do. Oh my! I didn't. Know, I don't think I knew that. Oh well. You've got your MBA. That's like you've, you've gone from like an, uh, a ten to like a twelve out of ten now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and did you study? Were you in Canada when you were studying there, or I did, did I read that you were so overseas? A little bit of both. Okay. So
1: I, back when I worked at Kraft before IBM, mm-hmm. um, I realized it only took two managers to get an approval for them to pay for your degree. Oh my! Yeah, so my MBA was paid for by Kraft. Nice. It was very nice, and um, I took it part time, which is an amazing way to take an MBA. Mm-hmm. And then I finished it in Europe. So another, I'm all Perk. about exploit exploiting the benefits, right? So yeah. Uh, you can go uh, international, uh, internationally with your MBA and complete it. So I finished it in Paris. Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, that is so it good
0: i got to start doing that. Um, you're talking about IBM. And, and so you've got like a wealth of experience. And and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is not just because we're friends and I know you do some amazing work and you've done some amazing work as well. And we'll talk about some of that stuff. Um, but you've sort of been a... Uh, and I don't want to use the word pioneer again because I use that with Mark and I, I want to find a different word for you. But you've, you've been in the digital space... Um, before there was a digital space, right? Um, I remember when IBM started, a, they had a marketing campaign. Yeah. IBM is an e-business. That's right. Um, and I think that, and that's when you were there. That's right. Um, now, you were there for seven years. What, what was your role there? What did you just start off so doing?
1: So, I joined IBM just when they started, they opened up consulting. So, IBM has like 300,000 consultants around the world in Canada. I joined when they were less than a hundred consultants and they liked my experience from craft. So I joined as a CPG retail consultant actually. And God, when was that? Uh, 1998. Hmm. And I was fortunate because two years after joining, they opened the innovation center. Now there's a lot of organizations today opening innovation centers. A lot of banks, a lot of sort of financial institutions. And that's really like
0: forward thinking. How can we improve? How can we yeah. lead?
1: So, so what was nice is I was in IBM's innovation center wh- where they housed the top talent in digital, plus me, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that was like till two thousand and six.
0: Well, which is fairly recent.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I was doing social media in two thousand six. So what so sort of pretty cool.
0: what sort of things interesting things were you? Because that was different for IBM to get into consulting, right? It was like very different. Time? Very different.
1: But when you thought about it, IBM had representation in all most organizations. Mm-hmm. And especially through the recession, year 2000, a lot of organizations went back to sort of big blue because it was secure. So a lot of the digital from small shops, a lot of them sort of faded away with, with the, um, the bust. Huh. And went back. So it was it a was great place to be. Really and, and
0: what place. sort of interesting or innovative things, you know, being in the innovation center, were, were you sort of so privy to helping to develop or, yeah. or that you saw?
1: So at the time, it was e-commerce. So e-commerce, 1998 to 2004, it was all about bringing the major retailers in North America on to onboarding on yeah. e-commerce. So my very first client was Future Shop. Okay. At West. And Mountain Equipment Co-op at the same time. So hmm. they needed to understand, we understand the retail environment very well, what does that look like online? So everything from content strategy to helping them hire the right resources, like mm-hmm. VPs of e-commerce. We used to have executive teams saying, I don't actually know how you staff for this. Um, and uh, and so I was part of the team. I worked with really amazing people and we helped guide retailers on what that commerce experience should be.
0: Interesting. Yeah. You were there for like seven years. Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Um, and you left.
1: And I left. And you I went left. into real estate. Well, that, you know, I loved I loved my job at IBM. Yeah. Um, absolutely loved it. But I, I traveled five days a week and mm. I was also my own worst enemy. So... I was offered, I was at the point where um, I was so successful that they wanted to send me to Korea to, you know, to help Samsung do one brand. And then somebody else wanted to send me to Chicago to do like Chicago Tribune Interactive. Like there was all sorts of very cool projects. Yeah. But I, I had just had my first child and traveling five days a week was a little hard to swallow. Wow. So I left so when I, yeah, when I quit, I said, I love IBM, but I love my daughter more. Sure. So.
0: And you go to join Great Gulf Homes. I did. Um, actually, you know what? Let, let's, let's go back a bit. Um, because you mentioned at the beginning that you actually were at Kraft. Yeah. Before you went to IBM. Yeah. So you were, doing, you do and you did your MBA at Kraft you uh, your brand manager there
1: I was an as- associate brand manager I never brand made manager. it to brand manager I left for the MBA how do
0: you get from traditional marketing let's call it <laughs> yeah to, to digital
1: <gasps> honestly yeah okay <laughs> a guy in my MBA class called me yeah and said are you happy and uh, oh my god I said no and a week later I was at IBM because remember, at the time, they're expanding their consulting practice. It was like, they, it was, you know, on the, my, uh, so, so the person that hired me was in my MBA group and my MBA group, I spent the last like three years at the time with, you know, a number of individuals doing our homework assignments together. So he really knew what it was like to work with me. And so he called me, you know, it's Wow.
0: So no experience in digital. And now you're...
1: Well, I, I've always been a nerd. Like, okay. I mean, like a lot of us sure. that love so sell, digital. So, like,
0: individually, right? So yeah, yeah, individually. Okay. Sure.
1: But not career-wise. But my move to IBM wasn't about digital. It okay. was about understanding the industry and then helping them um, in a digital sense.
0: Very interesting. Right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I just wanted to sort of... Where did this, you know, all mm-hmm. digital start? Mm-hmm. Um, so, what did you do? You were... in. Doing some new media stuff. So at at Great Great Golf, Golf. yeah.
1: So Great Golf, um, they needed someone to help manage their corporate brand and their product brands. So product brand like their neighborhoods or condos. Okay. And they, um, I said I would come on board if I also owned all the new media, which. Ah so it was part of a negotiation and that meant all the websites that they had any sort of e-marketing that they were doing and and the ability to introduce a new kind of marketing to real estate
0: interesting yeah that must be like a you know a, a, a very different work yeah. environment a very different industry what were some of the challenges there well so one of the
1: one of the reasons i went and what i loved about ibm is i worked Pretty closely with creative people in IBM. Mm-hmm. You might not know IBM for creative, but uh, <laughs> but the folks that I worked with, uh, oh, just amazing creative. And usability and information architecture, that kind of thing. Sure. So when I went to Great Golf, it was important to me um, to still have that creative component. And that was different. It was architects, interior designers, landscape designers. Mm. So... Um, on many levels, it, it offered me a little bit that IBM used to offer me. And then, of course, I could do branding and, and new media.
0: And how long were you there?
1: 18 months. Oh, so quick. Very quick, because okay. then I had my second. Oh, number two term. came along. Number two came okay. along, yeah.
0: Um, and I guess that's a perfect time to start your own business. When well... You, when you're spending more time at home than you're used yeah.
1: to. I... So I was on mat leave for a year. Okay. And um, who knew real estate was going to fold like that? I mean, I felt a little stupid actually that, <laughs> that I didn't predict it. Yeah. As a person who predicts emerging trends, yes, it is one I did not predict. No. <laughs> and uh, um, I got laid off in my 12 month of maternity leave. Oh. Uh, after I hired a nanny, um, after I exhausted EI at Christmas time. So it was pretty. I would say probably the lowest point in my life, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I had my husband. I had two wonderful kids. Yeah. And what do you do? In the height of a great recession, no one was hiring.
0: And that was 2009? That was 2009.
1: Huh. So uh, So I don't know if you know this amazing lady named Sasha Chua.
0: Yes. Do you know Sasha? I know her, and I saw her on your... She had given you a LinkedIn... Recommendation. I go, how do you know? Yeah,
1: Sasha's pretty incredible. So
0: you've known her for a while.
1: From IBM. Y-
0: yeah, before she started drawing people talking.
1: That's right. Well, yeah. Sasha was one of... There was five of us talking about social media in 2006 at IBM. Wow. And we were like these con- sort of, I guess, consultants to the rest of the organization. Yeah. Sasha was one of them. She really got me on board. Um, but uh, Sasha... I would say an inflection point in my work was... Um, created by Sasha, because okay. she tweeted out that she could no longer deliver this speech about how to find a, a job using social media. Um, I, and so what happened is I tweeted her back and I said, I'll do it. And okay. um, it was at an employment center. So I taught this course for her. And this is when I'm unemployed. I have sure. nothing else to do. Um, so I was expecting about 20 people to show up. Uh-huh. 80 showed up. Oh my goodness. And this is a great recession. And so that year I taught 800 people how to find a job using social media. And I used to stand up saying, I feel like a failure because I haven't found a job yet. But I'm going to teach you how to, how find, to find a find job. A job. <laughs> and it was it was amazing cuz these people were super Grateful and disadvantaged in their who own. Who were way. there?
0: What was you know? Who was there? Was it professionals like yourself? M- was it students? No. no you know, who m- was it?
1: Mostly new Canadians. Okay. All new Canadians. Huh. And uh, grateful, interesting, eager, um, willing to learn, and struggling in the Great Recession, like sure. all of us, right? So, um, where am I going with that? Someone in one of those sessions yeah. asked me to speak to their director about social media. Wow. And I won a job. And that's when my business started. Social wisdom.
0: So they ended up being a client of yours. Yeah. Very interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was and yeah. that was that was Scotiabank, Buskerfest. So Epilepsy Toronto yeah. runs Buskerfest. So in two thousand and nine I sort of added the social media layer to that festival.
0: Wow! Yeah, yeah, that is that's a great story. Yeah, I didn't know you. that, my good, and, and I thought we already had this conversation back a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, okay, so you are you are working with Buskerfest, and I saw you know in, in the website you, you worked a lot with nonprofits, yeah, uh, small businesses. That's right. Um, where did WestJet? When? How did WestJet? Because my understanding was was WestJet was a client of yours.
1: WestJet was a client of well, Social yes, Wisdom. That's right.
0: So how did that happen? Because you go from an unemployment agency <laughs> teaching for for free for free teaching for free. You're out of work, a- and then you s- then WestJet's your client.
1: So Buskerfest. Okay. I I. Like once I had the experience, yeah. I talked nonstop about it, so I presented, I talked on like uh, online online conferences and things like that, yeah, um, but WestJet, because I had such a solid ecom background from IBM, they found me on LinkedIn, so it was you know wow. you know, all of us know how to use social media right sure like, so um, I had already figured out how LinkedIn works in terms of search and how to optimize it, et cetera. And yeah. So I uh, that was purely a gift from LinkedIn, another gift. And, uh, yeah, a week later, I, Amazing. I landed uh, WestJet, which was in Calgary.
0: So you moved or you worked from here? So I,
1: I, I traveled. So the funny thing about IBM is I left IBM because yeah. I didn't want to travel, but I loved it. Yeah? I loved WestJet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. It was launching WestJet.com. dot com. So it wasn't okay. actually social media. No. It was all about what's the strategy around how do we relaunch yeah. this uh this interesting And how
0: long were you were you there for?
1: It was supposed to be four weeks. It was five four months. Four weeks. It was five months. So wow. it was supposed to be four weeks.
0: Yeah. But um and so it was just working on the dot com. Mm-hmm. How do we monetize it? How do we set it up so that it's seamless? And
1: oh, it was already my airline at the time. is already monetized. Yeah, but it's all about how do you it conversion optimization, right? Okay. So, so you know, how can you get an extra twenty percent? Because you know that the like many e-commerce channels, and I'm not. I don't have to be specific about WestJet. Sure. The the channel that is the least expensive is the web channel. So the more bookings you can make online the better it is for any airline interesting yeah so because so our
0: friend works for a travel business
1: that's right yeah
0: and they're all about the retail mm-hmm. funneling leads to the retail so that's interesting i should have the both of you argue about that that's for another maybe over dinner <laughs> or something we do that um I've got a line here. That, and, and then we met, and that was part of. It, but that's not in your LinkedIn, so we can't talk about us meeting, um, over me getting free stuff at Starbucks because I couldn't afford anything. Um, and then you moved over to agency. That's right. Um, JWT, you're the director of digital strategy. And it was very interesting because I, I don't think you started off as director of digital strategy or maybe that was your title, but your sort of role was different and it morphed and you sort of created something that I did that. They didn't have before. That's right. Um, so, t- walk us through that. You know, wh- what did you start off doing, and what did you end up building there? Because I think that's very interesting.
1: So, one thing I noticed from IBM to JWT is, like at WestJet, we were hiring um, an ad agency to help with the branding of the website. And I found it interesting that they weren't going to sort of the traditional tech suppliers like IBM and whoever. They were turning to ad agencies. So I really saw the shift in the marketplace that, mm-hmm. that we no longer could accept this this well-branded experience in other channels and not digitally. Sure. So I started looking at ad agencies as, as my next move. Okay. And, um, with uh, It was really, again, it's kind of the stars aligned, and I got, uh, I got hired at JWT. Uh, and they, at the time, could not find digital people. Like it, Ad agencies don't always hire sort of mid-level, fresh people that don't have ad agency experience. It can sure. be very hard to get into ad agencies. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there, there was a serious lack of digital strategy in 2010 in a lot of the big agencies um that's not the same today but um so i was hired to help introduce digital strategy to a traditional agency that Mm -hmm. whose clients really had 95 percent of their marketing spend on tv and radio and outdoor boards and just starting to put a little bit into digital, into digital, yeah, but, and so they needed banners. someone to say, "Oh God, yeah." Post-it notes on a big door—that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> what banners are. Um, but they needed someone to help them with those digital questions, and it wasn't even social media. Wow! At the time, it was it was just digital.
0: How do we get online, and what does that mean? What does what it look does it like? Look like? Yeah.
1: And help answer the questions that the account team couldn't answer because it was digital. So, from that standpoint it was it was an awesome new job.
0: Now it seems a lot of agencies have that component
1: that's right, but it was it was a big transition because I remember my first six months, everyone was angry at me because I represented a change like I was the face of the change for them, yeah, and people would be you know angry that I was in their meeting or angry at the disruption, and things were more complex and things were faster and we needed to be nimble yeah. and I got yelled at a lot in the beginning like it was a tough role Wow. and I kept saying to people hey man like I'm just I'm the face of your change but don't be angry at me yeah it's like bigger than me so
0: so what happened you know whether it was something that you did or whether it was the market dictating the change um how did you help shift that mindset or did you there?
1: Yeah, I Hey, you know, clients shifted their dollars. Ah. Right? So I can remember at JWT sitting in an eight-hour meeting, hoping for five minutes to talk about digital. And it was so frustrating because I'd sit there and listen about TV, et cetera. And... Uh, Walmart, in particular, came into JWT because they had just renewed their three-year AOR with Mm -hmm. JWT. And uh, it was an eight-hour meeting, and I had about an hour presentation. And at the end of eight hours, they ran out of time. And so I was like, oh, my God. I just spent eight hours, and and I don't have time to present. But the woman in charge, and I can't remember her name, she she turned to me and she said, I'm coming back next week and I want three hours. And I knew that there was a change. Like, of course, Walmart was into digital in a big way because they launched while I was at JWT, their Mm -hmm. e-commerce store in Canada. But it was a wonderful moment for me when clients said, I want three hours of your time instead of five minutes.
0: And so was it just you and her Like a week later, or was your boss there, and were other people that used to yell at you there? Yeah,
1: yeah, other people. Well, the Walmart team never, they were lovely. They never yelled at me. It was Ah. a few others, but um, yes, so everyone came. And they started to understand that they could do more than just, I don't know, more than just, you know, uh, digital ads, Mm -hmm. banner ads.
0: Yeah. What sort of interesting things did you end up doing?
1: I helped. Uh, I helped with the operation plan for launching Walmart.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I um, then I started to win clients. Right. So Mazda was m- like a really great win that the agency won. Nice. Um, but I started talking to them about the importance of social media, and they weren't really doing well. Like I, the the way the community was managed was not. Well done, and all you need to do is show them all the missed opportunities, and and uh, yeah, they hired, they allowed me to take on the social brand management for Mazda Canada. Mazda did.
0: So this leads to something that's interesting, which I th- I think we've we've spoken about over coffees and dinners, and you know we had a meeting at a supplier's. Um, this whole idea of Organic versus paid. Yes. Because you start, you know, back in 2010, 2011, you're at JWT, Mm -hmm. you're working with Walmart, you start working with Mazda, bringing them into social, and managing a community. that's organic conversations that you're having. That's right. Now, when we go and we sit down with these, um, you know, these partners of ours, the Twitters, the Facebooks of the world, and many others, it's all about paid stuff now. That's right. Right. How can the Mazdas of the world and so on, um, exploit the paid offerings. Um, And I know you've got opinions about this sort of stuff. Um, On the brand side of things, not in terms of individuals using these platforms, but when we're talking about brand, is there room anymore, in your opinion, for organic?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I want, I, there's a part of me that wants to say not really. Um, I'm grateful for the pay to play environment Yeah. because what it did is it said, we're no longer going to share just crap. Right. Mm -hmm. And and not that, not that I shared crap. Um, but if you're going to put media dollars behind it the content the imagery everything better be spot on mm-hmm. and and it meant instead of you know just blindly pushing out stuff brands had to be very choosy about they were what they were doing and i really appreciated that part like many marketers i was of course very mad that i now had to pay instead of get organic reach and i sure. didn't feel like like the metrics keep changing and trying to figure out, you know, where's the, how much reach am I actually getting? It's, it's kind of settled net now, but definitely at the beginning of 2014, it was a sort of a difficult environment to try and adapt to. Hmm. So are there still organic wins? Yeah, I mean, still things still go viral, if to use that word. Sure. But, um, but it, it's, it's harder to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can see the value in terms of if somebody has a question, you want to be there to answer it. Um, you know, outside of the sort of the customer service aspect of things, which I think can be valuable. Mm-hmm. That, you know, or- organic doesn't have a... There's no room for that, in my opinion. I think, you know, if you're a brand, you need to pay. And and it's yeah. important to pay because it's it's important to reach... The people that you actually want to reach. Right. Rather than hope and pray that someone sees your stuff.
1: That's right. Although, right? so you've got a media background. Yeah. Here's the danger, though, with this pay-to-play environment. Is, I mean, I think there's a difference between media that you buy to get super high reach. Sure. And reach a lot of people. Yeah. Versus the hype. That's
0: a brand playwright. Right. Okay.
1: But all these digital channels, we can do some really cool targeting. Like yes. really specific. So it's not about the most people. It's about a few highly qualified people that you're talking to. Yes. So, you know, we have a mutual friend that's in real estate. Yeah. E-commerce. Yeah. And, you know, he targets just a few, but mm. they're the right few, especially if it's like a large ticket item. Sure. You don't have to do mass. You don't have to have massive reach. And so I think that's the interesting blend that we need to explore. It's not organic and paid, it's sort of hyper targeted mm-hmm. versus the mass reach that you need. Yeah. And the content that you do for those diff- different Absolutely. Right? Yeah.
0: And I think it's great. and and I think these tools allow you to do both. That's right. Right? And it's 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 about talking with I believe talking with your client and saying, "Okay, we can do A, we can do B generally." You know, right. we, we could do this huge reach thing. We could be like television online. Right. Right. So we can do a huge reach play, you know, a huge impression play. Or, you know, is the objective to sell cars or get butts in a seat if you're um, a movie theater. Yeah. You know, or, or e- even a school. Yeah. Right. Hyperlocal. Yeah. Or, or a restaurant or something like that. You and, and how do you and I, I, and I think tools like like your Facebooks and your Twitters yeah. and so on allow you they do to do that which is but really interesting. not a
1: lot of people are doing that like you take something like the facebook custom audiences <sighs> right so almost no one's doing that in canada like okay the car companies are probably doing this mm-hmm. um you can take a list so if anybody that knows custom audiences you basically have some kind of input source of yeah Email emails, addresses, or yeah. you know, it could actually be people who visited your site, or you can cut this list somehow. Yeah, you upload it, and you you have these people that that you know are either purchases, purchasers, or interested people. Yeah, you can plus it up by adding a lookalike audience. Yeah. but then you can address them with content.
0: Yeah, it's not that you uh, know that they want they, or you that they're know interested, in. Yeah. or
1: you can cut people who have shown a history of. Clicking on your stuff yeah. on Facebook, mm-hmm. you can target them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Cut all sorts of lists. No, not many people
0: are doing yeah. that, unfortunately. You unfortunately, know, and uh, but I th- but I think it's people like you and I, as we have these meetings to tell our clients or, or uh, to say, "Hey, here's what's available," and and it's it doesn't have to be the big people all the time, right? It's it's now you could be a small business, you could know that you've got an email database of of some loyal customers. Let's say, like, you could be this restaurant here. That's right. And you've somehow managed to develop an email list at the very least. Yeah. And you could let them know about a launch party that's happening on May the 9th. Yes, May, May 8th, actually. Is it May 8th? May there 8th. Friday, May 8th, May, 8th. May 8th. Pacific Junction Hotel There's a launch party for girthradio.com. Uh, but they could do something like that, right? They could go on their Facebook page. They could input their custom audience. They could target them, everyone who lives in the Toronto area, and, and boom.
1: So I think the bigger thing, and I've been telling clients this for a few years, digital, the landscape's changing so fast. The mm-hmm. consumer behaviors are changing so fast that you need to think about how are you spending your dollars. Yes. And I, I often say, okay, let's just pretend 70% is your tried and true. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to be spending on things that historically have performed well for you. Then there's this 20% of... Proven, but not in use, so it could be the custom Facebook custom audiences you know that it 's working in let 's say automotive is using it, but you 're not using it in whatever industry you 're in. that would fall in that co- category and then the ten percent, the very top is test and learn yes, so whatever you 're not doing today is it mobile advertising is it like and and to reserve a little bit of money mm-hmm. and that 's where you can do this hyper local high quality targeting. Sure. To explore. And then you can say this converts so well. How the heck am I going to scale it? Mm-hmm. And stuff like and that. And those are the conversations yeah. you start
0: to have. Yeah. Um you leave JWT.
1: <laughs> I do.
0: I do. <laughs> and uh you you were probably hunted down. Uh, someone probably I was. checked out your LinkedIn or your tweets or whatever <laughs> yeah. and, and you, you end up at FCB Global or FCB Toronto. That's right. Um and, and you worked with this this cookie company Oreo. I don't know if anyone <laughs> no. has ever heard of that. Um I actually I, I want to ask you about this because it seems to me so there's so you know you talk about a few brands are using custom audiences on Facebook. Um and if you're listening to this and you want to know about custom audiences, get in touch with Lori and she'll tell you all about it. That's right. But uh, or myself. Um Oreo. Oreo client of yours, was a client of yours at FCB, did some really interesting work, but from where I'm sitting, is one of a few, yeah. a very few out of hundreds of companies, CPG companies, mm-hmm. um, that to me seem to take that 10% test and actually say, no, 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 we're going to take a 100% a test, and, and we're going to really do some interesting thing I mean, this is a cookie company, this yeah. is cookies.
1: Yeah, cookies.
0: What so it seemed it, it it came from inside oreo or inside uh cream right it's the cream <laughs> uh, what, what's the what's the bread what's the company that owns oreo Mondelees. Mondelees. what makes them so unique in your opinion that they're one of a few that actually so
1: i can t- i can answer that yeah you know the things that I admire about Mondelez... um Mondelees kind of split off from craft right you know that they craft ah. used to own the cookies okay. and the in and the confectionery, and they split yeah um and then and so you would think you'd think mondelez and craft would be similar in culture but mondelez the, everyone i've worked with is they're they're innovative they're super nice um they're open-minded and we all sort of share the same goals of of wanting sort of To best your best is what my former client used to tell me. Hmm. Um, So really great people to work with. And craft couldn't be difficult. You know, they don't always have the best reputation. Uh, Mondelez wasn't like that at all. They were great. But there's also this fellow called Bonin Bo. So Bonin, B-O-N-I-N, Bo is B-O-U-G-H, a very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. VP Global Media and Consumer Engagement for Mondelez. And a uh, just an amazing speaker, if you ever get to, to hear him. Hmm. But he came out uh, to the media and said, Mondelez will spend 50% of its marketing budget by 2016 on digital. Hmm. So he made this really bold claim. And now it, that was like, I think, Somewhere in 2014, that he had said that. Um, so this focus, this this idea that you know half of your budget is going to be on digital, um, really helped focus a lot of brands. Of course, Oreo is one of them, and Oreo was really took this to heart. Now you you got to remember when I started at JWT. Yeah, I had brands that maybe put two or three percent of their budget in digital. Yeah. Then there was the car company, Lovely Mazda. That's more like 10%, 15%. Hmm. So they were always ahead of the curve. And then finally I get to Mondelez. It's saying half our money, half our money. And I tell you, it was like, thank you. Finally, (laughs) it has arrived. And, uh, and that has really that when you talk about change, uh, of the transition for ad agencies, that's what the transition's about is is an ad agency that the year before had 80% of the dollars in traditional media yeah. suddenly has
0: only 50%. That's So it's
1: enormous
0: enormous change. That must be a lot of I don't know if pressure is the right word, you know, for you and your team to say okay, now we act, we have actually got to deliver yeah on this.
1: Well, and for for me and a lot of folks that are in digital, I've always worked in high growth areas right Mm -hmm. like that if you're a part of the digital team you're working you're constantly hiring new resources and getting new capabilities and and growing and struggling with growth and managing growth was always one of my biggest challenges because we're growing so rapidly
0: and then you've got the other brands what's so what what sets you know so you've got this bb guy At Oreo that makes a proclamation that 50% digital. And then you've got everyone else that, you know, some of them are creeping up to 10, 15, 20%. Other ones are, you know, happy at 5%. Why are brands afraid of that embrace?
1: Um, I think they were afraid in 2010 and 2012. But, like, my last two and a half years, they are not afraid. They just don't know you know they've got 10 opportunities in front of them which three are the best ones hmm. and and that's what a digital strategist does i mean yeah. we talked about that in the past is how do we help you choose the right opportunities yeah how to spend your money and do it wisely
0: so i guess the more important one is is not that they're afraid but i guess the innovation behind really interesting campaigns yeah um
1: well they rely on agencies a lot yeah. for that kind of innovative thinking.
0: So maybe this gets into this topic I wanted to discuss in terms of agencies. Okay. Now we both work at agencies. I do. Um but we we there's there's a lot of change happening and you know, as you saw as you went from um, IBM to Great Gulf and developing social wisdom and, and WestJet and, and you saw sort of how Agencies were starting to become involved and you saw, so you saw an opportunity that led you to JWT. It seems to me you're seeing another opportunity or you're seeing another yeah. shift in a change. What is that?
1: Well, that would explain why I've gone to a small boutique. Okay. Um, so I left F, uh, FCB in January and yeah. I've joined evidently, yeah. which is uh, a smaller, nimble boutique um, head office in the UK, about 65 people around the world. Offices in four different countries and um it's just it's it's hard to explain it's 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 completely set up differently like there's partnerships with players that can help complement everything there's we're not out there to spend a hundred grand on a pitch mm-hmm. like traditional ad agencies do sure. Um, but we're still competing for the same business. And there was a lot of things in a traditional agency that just doesn't really work for today's environment. Um, you know, highly paid, non-performing executives and uh, and a lot of junior people and no one in the middle. Yeah. Like that doesn't work f- for digital because the success that I've had in digital is I've always hired really exceptional talent and my team has been really good and that's made all the difference if i'm suddenly pressured to hire you know someone fresh out of school um they have a role too but they i can't have an entire team like that Mm -hmm. and so there was constantly this pressure with a traditional agency to to have the you know the most for the least Hmm. um and and then and then I think part of the challenge that I had um, at FCB is I'd grown the revenue to to a reasonable amount that I now had to support the rest of the organization, and I couldn't sort of fly under the radar and keep growing my team. Yeah. So, um, so that was difficult.
0: So, does that limit like a, a smaller agency in terms of what they can deliver? Like, what, is it like you know what we've promised too much? We need no. to staff up, and so no,
1: because when you think about like. When I joined FCB and uh, when I joined JWT, I didn't have a team. Mm-hmm. I always sold the business and then staffed. Yeah. So it is it is no different from what I had before.
0: It's just that those non performing assets. You say, you know what? We could someone else can take care of that, or we need to the performing people need to learn how to do the ad ops or whatever it is. Yeah. That needs to be taken care of.
1: Well, everybody's performing.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: There are no non-performing mm-hmm. resources. Yeah, it's more entrepreneurial. It's really—I mean—I have the best of both worlds. I feel like I'm a funded entrepreneur. Nice. I have a an office, great space in Liberty Village, and great clients.
0: So, so what happens to these larger agencies? Do you do you? Is there are clients now willing to go with a boutique shop? Let's say. Well, the well, we've got some really good clients, hmm. like.
1: Unilever, Whirlpool, um, um, uh, Energizer. So, uh, yes, I think that, that we've been described sometimes as the lover, <laughs> not the wife, <laughs> right? Uh, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Lover keeps coming back in my life, but, <laughs> and, and a client said that. He said, we love working with you guys. You're like our lover. Um. Not the wife, like the wife you give the big a o r and they do the big work uh-huh but but when you need your brand story told, when you need to have very excellent uh sort of visual storytelling, they come to a boutique
0: very and interesting digital yeah so, so this is sort of your professional life that we've gone through um, where do you what, what do you see as as your Um, and you've just started here, so I'm not asking you what's your next job or whatever, but where do you see things going?
1: So a big thing that I'm bringing to evidently, Mm -hmm. and they're really open-minded is data. Okay. I I mean, I guess everyone knows that data is going to be in the future. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is all the cues, all the cues that you need to understand people's cognitive behavior, which is a fancy word for... Cognitive, how people learn and how they show us what they're doing when they're learning online. Mm -hmm. Um, I can study that using social listening, looking at their search behavior, looking at all sorts of digital behaviors, take all that data, gather those insights, and that tells me what the content should be, what the story should be, what the gaps are for the brand, Mm -hmm. and um, it's an approach that I've used with FCB and JWT in the past because I've really discovered those tools there. But it is one that is it is like a mandatory focus in what we're doing today, mm. and that's that's a bit of the difference that we're bringing uh, that I'm you know helping to bring it evidently.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I have a few other questions for you. Okay. Um, so let's talk about a, c- a couple of things that have been happening. Um, so recently, Face uh, New York Times. Um, Made a deal with Facebook to publish exclusive stories yeah. on Facebook rather than on the New York Very Times website or app. Um, okay, wh- why is that? Why is why is that interesting? Because it seems to me that they that media companies are already sort of uh, exploiting, you know, the traffic that they can get from Facebook and are publishing stories on there, anyways. Why is this sort of exclusive? So, there's
1: so many interesting layers to this. Yeah, Um, I think Facebook announced this with Time Magazine a while ago, that they were doing something similar. Essentially, this deal says that consumers don't have to go to New York Times for Mm -hmm. this content. That this, sometimes it's video content, I don't know if it's video specifically, but... Ah. The content is found on Facebook, not necessarily their owned media property, sure, so now all of a sudden, the traffic is going to Facebook mm-hmm. not to the publisher 's place, sure, and it means that they will get a cut in the revenue, yeah um, from the eyeballs that are generated on Facebook, because, yes. as we know, what you know some of the things that are shared the most on Facebook are news, like news as a source. Um, like as as Facebook is becoming a source for news for people, so sure. So New York Times will now get a cut of that revenue. Mm-hmm. So it is sort of seen as a new source of ad revenue for them. Yeah. The danger is they they don't own this channel, right? They don't own Facebook. Fair enough. Yeah. So the whole reason companies have been you know, owning their own media, they're in control of their revenue. They're in control mm. of what's going on there. But now they're not. They it's, get a cut, yeah. but you know who knows? You know, it's not like Facebook hasn't changed the rules in the past. Sure. So it's 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 a little sort of risky from that standpoint.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. I, I it's interesting you say that. So there's two sides to that. Right. One is um, that you know, where are the people going and where are they? Where's right? content being discovered? Yeah, so if New York Times, and, and we all say, you know what, it's, it's being found in these other channels, right? People are sharing, you know, things on on their own blogs, they're sharing it on Reddit, they're sharing it on places yeah. like that, on Facebook and Twitter and so on. Um, you know, they take a look at, okay, if, if we, you know, if they're all going to these places, maybe it makes sense to have some content for example facebook and that make a deal that facebook is going to you know give us x percent you know based on whatever the case may be um not everything is going you no. know some no. exclusive stories will go there others the most most of them will still be found mm-hmm. you know on new york times or whoever the publisher is yeah. that decides to do that you know it's sort of like you know, is it better to rent a house or is it better to buy a house? Well, it depends on who you are. Yeah, lease or own. Yeah, or, you know, it depends who you are. It depends on the time and and, and all of these sorts of things.
1: It would be a fun job to analyze all that yeah. performance. Because there's... But, you know, Sneet, we had... You and I attended a meeting at Facebook not long ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the neat things that I learned was the impact of the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, Yes, right? And and what we found is the, up until August of this past year, YouTube was where you discovered video content. Yeah. But the ALS Bucket Challenge changed that because suddenly you had millions of people uploading video to Facebook for the first time. Directly. And that changed their habits. It changed, like, they. it forced them to learn. Mm-hmm. And now, uploading and content discovery, for video anyway, yeah. is on Facebook. It's huge. Not on
0: YouTube. Not on YouTube. So, Which is very interesting.
1: Very interesting. So, you know, you could also say that, that the New York Times decision is quite in keeping with that big shift. Yeah. Oh.
0: And I think it's important for... These news organizations, you know, that, you know, sometimes we have an affinity for them. We like certain reporters or columnists and so on and so forth to explore these different avenues, you know, because maybe the New York Times isn't a newspaper. Maybe they're a news, maybe they're a media organization. And so you can consume that same content in a variety of different platforms and a variety of different tools, right? So you could be on your smartphone, on Facebook, reading the New York Times um, or you could be on your tablet reading mm-hmm. the New York Times. Yeah. Or you could be in a coffee shop reading a New York Times newspaper. There's a variety of different, and doesn't really matter to the consumer. So t- for the consumer, I think the consumer wins. Uh, yeah. Right? I think so. And 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 so all of these things uh, I think are good for the consumer. Whether it's not good for the business is 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 to be seen. Right. You yeah. know where where that where that goes. Um, you did something interesting, Lori. What did I? do? I don't know if that's your real name anymore. Oh. <laughs> because you've changed your name on Facebook. I did. Um and <laughs> so, so h- Hold on. Let me let me pull, let me pull up this.
1: <laughs> you know, I changed my name a week ago. Now
0: you did it in jest, right? You, you did is it as something fun or where well, you cuz I you, can't
1: you, change it for another 6 months or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a jest that lasts a long time.
0: Did you know you couldn't change it back? Yeah?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so Facebook started to... Um, con- Lori DeLion shock. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so, um, you know, Facebook has been approaching people about their names and whether or not they're real. They're and real or not, and yes. And having them provide proof that... Uh, it it wasn't really for that reason I changed it. the yeah. the, the reason is I'm becoming increasingly conscious of my multiple online selves and I'm not sure I want to introduce them to each other. Okay. You
0: know, like So tell me about these different selves that you my have. My different personalities. Yeah. So
1: I, it, it may be very Gen X of me to not want to not want like I I so recently mm-hmm. the big event in Lori Schalk's life was I bought hamsters at Christmas for my kids.
0: I saw some photos. Yeah.
1: And the hamsters, the two girl hamsters, decided to have 10 babies. Oh, my so, goodness. <laughs> so it was a bit of a surprise. And then, okay, where I'm going with this is, you know, hamsters reproduce. Once they have babies, they reproduce every three weeks. So I had one oh batch goodness. of 10, and then they had another, because then I thought, well, I can't move these hampers, hamsters, Hamsters are too small. Then I, they had another
0: batch. And did you know this was going to happen?
1: No. <laughs> no, this was, this was a total surprise. So here I am with like over 20 hamsters in a cage and I turned to Facebook and I didn't, it's interesting that I didn't go to Ch- Kijiji, uh, but I turned to Facebook to swap and sell and, and give away for free yeah. hamsters. And, uh, and I realized like, do I really want like mom giving away hamsters to meet professional mom who is an advertising person like do I do I want those two personalities do I want someone showing up at my work saying you gave me you know male female hamsters and I've got babies like Hmm. so I had a little concern about that and I uh I, I I know that there have been businesses that also have similar concerns like how do you treat the woman that's a financial genius. Yeah. As the same woman who's maybe in a group talking about fertility problems. Like you know, how do you handle those multiple cells? Interesting. Um, so yeah. you're you're so, okay.
0: So I changed my name. So is is Facebook your Lori Dillichalk out of the office persona?
1: It's my out of the office. And I've also started Farage Sale. Right? So So you've started what? Farage Sale. So Farage okay. Sale um, garage sale. I, I, Carolyn Van. Yeah. Um, got me looking at garage sale, and it's it's where people are buying and selling. And essentially, it's like an external website that you have to authenticate using your Facebook ID. Okay. Right. So now, you're buying and selling your junk, um, on a separate website, but you're authenticated with your Facebook. Uh, like, there's all these places where suddenly this sort of casual person doesn't, I don't necessarily want them to come cl- crashing into my uh, my business world. How anyway, do you spell this? Farage a sale. Farage. V-A-R-A-G-E sale.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. Now, that's Miss Van, your former business partner, yes. got me onto that.
0: I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I've got tons of stuff at home.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every parent does. Yes. You want to get rid of your, you know.
0: Interesting. A virtual garage sale. I guess that's where it comes from.
1: Virtual garage ah, sale. Ah,
0: very nice. Very nice. So. so this explains now your Facebook.
1: But people were very alarmed with my name change. I had over eight people. Thinking writing. that you got a
0: divorce or something?
1: No, just <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? Because it was so clearly not my name. So my name is Dylan Schalk and my... You know, the lion, the lion, lion shock. Yeah. And shock was, um, Susan Kim Kirkland, who's the president of JWT. She's a lovely woman. She used to call me Dylan shock ah. because bringing digital into a traditional you agency, shocked them all. shock them. So, um, yeah, so that's interesting. That's my name change on Facebook.
0: Um, very quickly and, and maybe not very quickly cause this is also important. um, you recently did a hangout yes. with uh, with a friend of ours, uh, Hesse Jones. Hesse Jones. Published author, by the way. Um, we know a published author. I just feel That's that right. much more. Marketing is doomed. Yes. Um, and you talked about women in tech?
1: Yes, we did. We did. It was an amazing hangout with, with um, we had boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials all talking about the challenges women have being in digital roles, and um, obviously, there's a lot of talk right now with Ellen. Yeah. Um, and not Ellen, the talk show host. No, Ellen Powell. Powell. I believe her name is. Ellen yeah. Powell. Ellen Powell, who was suing Kleiner Perkins mm-hmm. for not getting promoted. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough uh, tough. Is industry. it tough to
0: get in? Is it tough as you're in? Like, what's the What's the Is there is there one problem? Is there many problems? I don't
1: think it's... Specific, like, there's two... Like, so the, the, the women in tech thing... Okay. Um, the Silicon Valley, and uh, that's quite different. Like, that's pretty extreme. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, Dubai? yes. And then there's just... It doesn't even have to be digital. It's women in their careers. Whether you're in sure. digital or whatever... Okay, ...is, fair. is yeah. challenging. Okay. Um, I gave a great example on on that Hangout... Um when I was at JWT, uh, the car account, they had one Mazda and knowing that Mazda spends fifteen percent mm. marketing on, on digital, I went to my boss at the time and I said, I really want to work on Mazda. Like, give me this account. Let me have this. Yeah. And he looked at me and he says, You know, cars, it's a guy no. it's a guy thing. Interesting. And I'm like, Okay. And I went home and I thought about it. Yeah. And my boss, who, who is a very smart guy, he was working on Canadian breast cancer, and he was also working on canestin. So the next day, I went into the and office, told him? and I said, look, <laughs> if you can work on, essentially, boobs and vaginas, I think I can handle a car. And he gave it to me instantly. And, and what I tried to say to these ladies is that he just needed a reframe he just needed to be aware yeah. that of what he said and why he said it. Like he, what the moment I said to him, Hey man, you're like working on breasts. Why can't I work on a car? Like, fuck, you don't even have it. Oops. Sorry. Are we allowed to
0: swear? Yeah, right yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> sorry about that audience. Um, anyway, I reframed it for him and, and got on the business instantly. Nice. So I feel that, a lot of our challenge is standing up for yourself. And really, mm-hmm. you've got to remind people that, hey, it was my idea. Hey, don't interrupt me. Uh, you know, that type of thing.
0: Sure. Yeah. What what needs to happen? Does something need to happen? Does something need to change? Is it just a mindset that people need to... Like, do people need to be shocked into saying, oh, yeah, why can't this happen?
1: I I I think we all need to give each other awareness. There's not enough... like. I talked about the ad agency business because unlike some of the banks or IBM, IBM and and banks seem to make it diversity a goal, right? Like it is Hmm. mandated. They all have goals. They all are very, very much aware of diversity and not just women, just diversity of every level. Hmm. The industry that I'm in, the ad agencies, I don't feel that they have that awareness at all. I mean, we've got ad agencies producing videos making fun of the long hours and the fact that people never see their families. Like, I don't, I fail to see how that's funny. Um, it's not. It's not funny, mm-hmm. but they all treat it like everybody knows that, you know, interns aren't paid well or, you know, things like that. And, and it, what it takes is for us to stand up for things that we believe in. Sure. That doesn't happen very
0: often. Awesome. Let's wrap this up very quickly. Some rapid Kay. fire stuff. A uh, rapid yes. fire, yeah. Um, okay. So I'm gonna n- you tell me what you prefer. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Twitter or Facebook? Facebook. Well, w- I didn't expect that. I yeah.
1: know. I you know what? <laughs> I love I love Twitter. Yeah. And I've loved Twitter for a long time. Yeah. Um but I um I have something called alopecia. Do you know what alopecia is? No. It's where it's a it's an autoimmune disorder, disease or whatever, where you lose your hair, so you can't see it. But I actually have a bald spot behind my head. Okay, I know, I know. it's caused. It can be caused by many many things. Okay, I don't know what it's caused by yet. I'll find out. Now anyway, does your twin long sister long have short, the same? No, my father had it. Oh, so um, anyway, I can find these groups, these interest groups. Where you can talk uh, to Facebook. other people. Yeah, on Facebook. And I, I find I can buy and sell things. Like, I didn't sell on Kajiji with my hamsters. I sold on Facebook. And I also run the uh, parents group uh, mm. for my daughter's school. My son and daughter's school. That so is interesting. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Meerkat or Periscope?
1: Periscope.
0: Okay. I need you to eat that mic there. Peris- <laughs> Periscope. <laughs> North of Blur or South? Oh, South. So, but you live north.
1: No, I live east. I am just outside of Scarborough.
0: You're just we're
1: neighbors almost.
0: East of Young or west of Young?
1: Well, east.
0: East of Young, east coast or west coast?
1: Hard to say. Hard to say. My twin is west coast. Ah, but my dad grew up east coast, so I have I identify a lot with those east coasters all right um but my uh my soul my twin mate is out there in west coast
0: all right duncan oreo or <laughs> when you eat your smarties do you eat the red ones last
1: oh you know i'm gonna say oreo <laughs> right uh, they're not your client
0: anymore they know
1: but i i had such a good time
0: with yeah? Oreo. yeah okay um and so, and then I sent you an email. I sent you an email yesterday or the day before. I say, hey Lori, what's your favorite song? Oh, and then you went all like, what's your favorite song right now? What? And then you went all <laughs> metaphysical on me, and, and you Yeah. Know. Um, but you picked a song. Actually, you picked two songs. I did. So I've got one of them lined up. I don't have both. I've got one of them. Yeah. Um. So it's not the one that you think. Okay. But so, Johnny Cash hurt. Yeah. So tell me about this. What, what, yeah. Why does this mean anything? Well, or what does it mean to you? You
1: know, my musical taste changed the moment I met my husband Andrew, mm-hmm. and he he really brought music into my life. Like I, I grew up in Ottawa. Like they played Rush all the time. I really had no sense of music, and okay. with and meeting Andrew, uh, he plays all this great music. Anyway, Johnny Cash, Boy Named Sue, all sorts of. Interesting music that somehow escaped my life until I met him. So um, I think I said Hurt and Personal Jesus. Yeah. I just love the words. They're, they're, it's an amazing song. Awesome. And
0: so, well, we'll play Hurt by Johnny Cash as we sign off. But thanks so much. Thank you. For coming in. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Here you go. This is Johnny Cash and Hurt. Thank you for joining us. Bye bye.
2: And you could have it all My empire of dirt I will live chair full of broken thoughts I cannot repair beneath the stains of time the feelings disappear you are someone else I am still right here What have I become My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away In the end. And you could have Yeah